Welcome back to the Global Gamers Podcast. And today, I'm going to be treating a certain malady that has been afflicting Ryan. You want to tell me about it? Yeah, appreciate you uh, taking the time to see me today, Ed. I uh, have been sniffling quite a bit. We are nearly full on into spring here in D.C. and the great pollening of cherry blossoms and other flowering plants is nearly upon us hmm have you seen any loco weed uh no loco weed yet but i'll keep an eye out for okay. it for sure we might see some soon yeah i have a feeling is there anything else afflicting you well to be honest i've just been a little bit a little bit forgetful and spacey the last couple of days and come to think of it i'm embarrassed to say i don't even really remember what game we're supposed to be reviewing today ah well I might have to cook you up a special potion to help you remember that today we are going to be reviewing the quacks of Quedlinburg. Let's test your memory. Would you like to get us in to what this game is all about? Yeah, I would love to. And I think that potion that you uh, were talking about may already be starting to have its effects because it's starting to come back to me a little bit. So the quacks of Quedlinburg is a... Fun, light to medium family game, a little bit of press your luck elements, also a build a bag game. And basically what you're doing is you are a charlatan or a quack doctor in the northern German town of Quedlinburg. And you are basically peddling your wares to unsuspecting townspeople trying to get them to buy your miracle cures. Very cool. And I actually just remembered that I feel like we should discuss how it is that we both first came to play this game. Um, Because you and I actually went to our local board game store, which I will shout out, Labyrinth Games and Puzzles in Washington, D.C. We love them. But every Thursday they host an open board game night And we went one time, and they just so happened to be doing a raffle where you could enter to win one of a few different games they were giving away. So one was Quacks. I think Ticket to Ride, Yeah, it was like a whole Ticket to Ride bundle, and there are a few others. And as fate would have it, I won the Quacks box. Um, And so we played it shortly after, had a really good time. I think that was our the first introduction either of us had had to the game. Yeah, I'd heard of it, but I'd never played it. And it wasn't really on like the top of the list of things that I was looking to buy. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting case, right? Because, I mean, it, it has gotten some buzz for sure. I mean, there's, you know, the Spiel des German Gaming Award. and then... Yeah, it's kind of like the Game of the Year Award for tabletop gaming. Yeah, exactly. And then they've kind of, since for the last 10 years or so, I think, they've also done the kind of a spin-off award for like more connoisseur or, you know, experienced gamers called uh, Kenner Kennerspiel DRs. And uh, this game happened to win Game of the Year for that award in 2018. So it's been out for a few years, but figured it's a good game to highlight just because it's so different from the sorts of like area control and like 
worker placement. worker placement games that we usually cover exactly yeah i mean i think this game i'm very happy i have it because i think it fills a very specific place on my shelf yeah. in that it's one of a couple games along with um i guess that's like cascadia um maybe unmatched that you know if at the beginning or the end of a game night it's kind of like a warm-up or a cool down game that you can get done in 30 minutes yeah. it's pretty perfect and it's just it's not a ton of thinking it's not a ton of strategy it plays very quickly everyone plays at the same time it's a good time yeah yeah and, yeah setup takedown learning the game all pretty straightforward and easy too so in the base game of the quacks of quedlinburg each player is as ryan mentioned a quack doctor um who is mixing potions made of various ingredients to try and help well trick the citizens of the town into thinking that we can heal whatever afflicts them so every round you are going to be pulling chips from a bag this is the preparation phase and so you start off the game with some white chips an orange chip that's a pumpkin a green chip that's a spider and i guess the white ones are like i guess they call them like cherry bombs or something and they make basically the white ones will make your pot explode yeah. if the value of the white chips that you draw exceeds seven so you right. start off the game with four of them that are worth one two that are worth two and one that's worth three and then you start off with a green that's worth one and an orange that's worth one and at any time each player can decide that they want to stop drawing chips. And so the more in a chips given round. Yeah. yeah. So the more chips you draw, the further along in your pot you'll get and you'll score more points and get more money to buy more chips to add to your bag for the next round. So at the beginning of the round, there's just going to be a card that's pulled and it will either like give each person a one-time benefit or it will have an ongoing an ongoing ability for the whole round. And then everyone just at the same time simultaneously pulls chips until they don't want to pull chips anymore or their pot explodes. Right. Um, and so just to recap, Ed, we have every player has their own bag. Yeah. They're pulling chips out one at a time yeah. every round. Yeah. Chips are different ingredients, different numbers on them, different effects. You're putting them on a little trail around your pot and seeing how far you can get and how many points you can earn each round. Is that a basic Basically, rundown? you just want to be like, I want to go as far as I can without exploding. Yeah. And if you're the person who makes it further along than anyone else, you will get kind of like the prize of not only probably getting the most points and the most currency to buy things, but you'll also get to roll a die that will give you more points or a ruby or another pumpkin ingredient to add to your bag or let you move an extra space on the tracker. Right. That makes sense. And yeah. so, so these, these ingredients in these like rounds that you're going through, Ed, like you mentioned points, you mentioned coins, like what are, what are you building towards in this game? Sure. So basically the scoring is going to be very easy. You're just scoring on a point tracker. That's it. Okay. But, to do that, you want to get further and further in your pot, so you want to add more and better ingredients every time. So once everyone is done, we figure out who went the furthest, we roll that die, and then anyone who has the who had a green chip, black chip, or purple chip that could be scored as like an end round scoring goal will do it. 
And then anybody who ended on a ruby space in their pot, there are a few of those scattered throughout, will get a ruby. And then you will score however many points you get for the spot you're on. And then each person during the shopping phase can spend however much money they earn that round to buy up to two chips of their choice. And then finally, going back to those rubies, you can use two of your rubies to either move your droplet up one extra for the next round or to refresh your flask. Now, what is your flask? Everybody has a flask. What the flask does is it allows you, if you pulled a white chip, let's say you pull that three white chip really early on, you can flip over your flask, you can empty it to put that chip back in your bag so that you're less likely to explode. Um, but it won't reset on its own. You're going to have to pay rubies to reset it. So that's all the rubies really do. And they might help you a little bit with extra points at the end, but really not much. Right. And so for the, you know, scoring each round, like each little space on the tracker in your cauldron, the track you're moving on, there's like two numbers on there, right? Ed, there's one for the scoring of mm -hmm. the points you earn that round and then a different number for how much money, money you earned yeah, to exactly. buy chips for future rounds. Is that yep, sum that's, it up? That's exactly it. And it's very clear which one is which. And everybody, again, is doing all of these things at the exact same time. So it's very easy to follow along um, linearly. And that's that's basically it. And then the only other thing for the, for the beginning of each round is that there's a mechanism that they call rat tails. And this is a cool catch-up mechanic for people who are behind on points. And honestly, that's it for the base game. Yeah. You're just pulling chips from your bag, putting them in your pot, deciding if you want to stop before you explode or exploding, and then counting up your points and buying more chips. And you do that for nine rounds. So what are the consequences if your cauldron does explode? Uh, first off, you'll feel really bad and really stupid. You'll wish <laughs> that you didn't pull that last chip. Uh, because this game just has a way of, you know, you'll kind of feel around your back, be like, I have five chips left. Four out of five of them will have me be totally fine. One will make me explode. Guess which one you'll draw every time. Every time? Yeah. You're going to explode. So first off and worst, it's that feeling. And yeah. then other people laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in terms of the actual gameplay, what it means is one, you have no chance of rolling that die. Even if you made it further than anyone else, once you explode, that's it. You don't get to roll the die that round. Second, you will have to choose between getting the points you earned that round or buying chips for the next round. Whereas everyone else who didn't explode gets to do both. And then third, some of the cards that you, be, that you draw each round may have an additional penalty for exploding or give your neighbor a benefit if you explode. That makes sense. But that's really it. I mean, you really want to try not to explode because you don't want to have to choose between buying more chips and getting points. Right. Um, but, you know, you're not doomed if you do. Because as you have more chips in your bag in later rounds, you're going to go further in the pot. And the further you go, like the point values kind of increase exponentially as well. Right. And if you explode and other people don't, you could end up suddenly having a big gap between you and point values or have them get more chips in their bag when you don't. Right. Um, so like missing out on one of those later rounds is more of a big deal. That makes sense. Yeah. So what we should probably get into next though, is that 
while the base game is just pretty simple on its own, one of the cool things about this game is that there are two expansions that add some extra fun um, to this game. So I'll talk about the Witches expansion first. Mm -hmm. Just to put it in perspective, like base game has seven different ingredients, not including the white ones. There's just an added eighth one for this game. So that's not the main addition to this expansion. I want to say its name, though, because I love its name. Go ahead. Loco Weed. Loco Weed. It's this big old, big old flower on the on the picture. Yeah. Kind of looks like a carnivorous poinsettia or something. A little bit, yeah. It has evil poinsettia vibes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, those are those are some fun ones. And uh, basically, what the witches do is you have three different levels of witches. You've got bronze, silver, and gold witches, and each one corresponds to a coin that each player receives at the beginning of the game, one of each of those colors, bronze, silver, and gold. And what those let you do is you choose at one point in the game to spend your coin and get a pretty powerful one-time bonus. From the from the corresponding witch. Exactly. So like silver coin has to align to silver witch. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, there's a pretty wide variety of bonuses that these entail um the bronze ones i think often correspond to you know giving you some kind of bonus during your purchasing phase in terms of what you're buying uh the silver and gold ones kind of are a little bit more varied in what they can do you know you have some that you know allow you to maybe roll back white chips that you've put on the board uh some of the gold ones often correspond to like scoring bonuses they're very powerful but you just have to choose for yourself when it works best for you to use it right and yeah because yeah, it is the kind of thing where like it can make or break a given round but you want to be judicious when you use those yeah yeah i mean that's that's basically it for the witch expansion i mean yeah. that's the, these expansions like some of them they look like they're going to be comp- complicated but they're really not and it really isn't adding too much which is nice because it keeps the game simple the only other thing in the witch's expansion was it came with um extra components so that now you can play with five people which is very nice and actually i'm very glad i have that because we just uh this past weekend ended up playing a game of quacks with five people we did and it was it was wild it was it was fun yeah it was a lot of fun part of why it was so fun was because we added in for the first time the second expansion yes the alchemist expansion yeah, tell um, us about the alchemists. Yeah, so this one is cool because what it does is it adds this new um, mini board on top of your main pot, and it gives you this like this big vial um, that's called like your essence potion, I guess, and it gives you a new like essence tracker, and so at the beginning of the game. You're going to choose from um, a bunch of different patients who have various ailments. And we're going to put three of them in the game. And then each person is going to choose one patient that they want to um, heal over the course of the game. So as Ryan mentioned at the beginning, he's currently suffering from forgetfulness, which is one of the maladies. We have the witch's hump, for example. Vampirism nervousness chicken eyes those are the kinds of things we're talking about and they're pretty goofy 
But basically what they do is that once you choose which one you want to treat, you will get to spend your essence at the end of each round to get the bonus that that malady gives you. For example, if you chose to treat the patient who's suffering from vampirism, then at the end of the essence phase each round, you can buy an additional chip for the value printed on your essence card that will line up to how much essence you had that round. Mm -hmm. So this is just giving you extra ways to do more and score even higher in the game. Um, right. And the way you get essence, I probably should have mentioned, is in one of three ways. You get one essence for each different color chip in your pot, not including the white ones. So these are not chips that are in your bag. They're only the ones that end up in the in your cauldron on a given round, yeah. right? Um, you will get one essence if you ended the round with exactly a value of seven white in your bag. In your, in your pot, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no more, no edge. less. Yeah. <laughs> like basically pushing it as far as you could without exploding. And then you'll get one essence for each of your neighbors who exploded. But it's really fun. I mean, I was, I was talking to one of our friends that we played it with um, on Friday. And the way he put it to me, he thought that he, he, he felt like he was cheating the entire time <laughs> because these like abilities are so powerful. Like he and I had both chosen to use the witch's hump. And it was amazing because at the end of the game, we ended up with like piles of rubies because yeah. that just corresponded very well to what it let us do. Yeah. And I think you chose the carrot nose, which I did. let you get a bunch of extra orange chips in your bag, which makes sense, I guess. Well, I think it was only one extra orange chip, but what it did is it gave you a movement bonus on the orange ones. Oh, uh, so you could make them go further in the pot. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But like, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. It doesn't really add much complexity to the game. It just makes everybody get way more points by the end, which is just satisfying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun one. And it it was fun playing with, you know, both of the expansions because I think you're right that like neither of them is radically changing the gameplay in a way that like makes it hard like we played with i think two of the people we played with had never played before and they were yep. able to pick it up and of the fine. five of us i was the only one who played with the alchemists right yeah yeah um i think the only thing that i would point out as something that i think was a problem for most of us specifically with the alchemist expansion more than anything else but it does apply throughout this whole game is that sometimes the way that things are worded can be a little bit confusing to figure out what it's trying to say. Yeah. But once you figure it out, it's like, oh, that was pretty simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just something that's very helpful to keep in mind with this game is just remember that it's meant to be quick and light and that like yes. you cannot over strategize this game because at the end of the day, most of it is luck. No, it's a fair point. And I think I mean that observation kind of brings us into our next topic is which is just, you know, tips for first-time players and do you have any any points on that front that come to mind ed i mean as this is tough for this game because again i think almost in a meta kind of way avoiding thinking too strategically will help you because if you try to be too strategic you might get frustrated and disappointed when at the end of the day it all comes down to do you just have the self-restraint and the luck yeah. to stop when you should stop or just be lucky in pulling one last chip and it works out 
well for you. I mean, there are definitely ways to mitigate things going wrong, and you can definitely pay attention to which ingredients you pulled for the game to see which ones may pair better than others or be more useful for, like, the witches you chose or the malady you're trying to treat with the alchemist expansion. But really... Don't overthink it. Just have a good time. That That's what this game is for. If you want to be super strategic, you know, there are other games. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is embrace the chaos, cut loose, and just have a good time. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but, like, the best thing that I really like about this game is just, like, talking to myself and almost beating myself <laughs> up out loud in front of everybody. And then, like, yeah. you know, you'll be sitting next to me and be like, Oh, I have a value of five white in my pot right now. You know, should I keep going? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you should. Because I want you to explode. Yeah. But it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And you are strictly responsible for it. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, I think, I mean, I agree with the majority of what you just said. I think one other thing I would say is. Try not to go into the game with a preconceived strategy of what you're going to do. Like, you kind of have to let the game come to you a little bit. And this is especially true because, you know, in the first couple rounds, you're going to have additional ingredients that are being added to the mix. And so you are going to need to, you know, change tactics, be tactically flexible in a game like this, I think I would say. I think also in those early rounds, to an extent, you just kind of have to buy what you can afford because you're probably not going that far in your pot because you don't have that many chips yet. And most of your chips are adding up to help you explode. So you may really want that, you know, blue chip, but it's too expensive, so you're going to settle for the orange pumpkin, which is the cheapest. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. I think So I think one other tip for first-time players, I would say, is this is a game because of the rat-tail-catch-up mechanism you mentioned where you don't need to sweat it that much if you're behind for the first couple rounds. Yeah, no, not at all. And so, like, if you are in an early round and you happen to explode, you're probably almost always better off taking the money and leaving the points on the table because the rat tails are going to let you catch up anyway. And like the other people are probably scoring one or two points anyway. Exactly. You're not falling that far behind. Yeah. Especially because like at the end of the game, I think if you're playing just base game, you're probably going to end up, like just under 50 points on average maybe like 40 something 30 something points yeah and if you play with both expansions or even one like i think one expansion expect to cross 50 to if you're winning probably again to like 75 ish range so sacrificing one or two points isn't a big deal in those first two rounds you'll probably make it up and because you're having stronger ingredients as you're going along it's the later rounds where you're scoring most of those points. It's not like you're making constant progress each round to that 75. It's like you're growing oh, the yeah, most definitely. in the last two to three turns. 
what else should we talk about? Your potion is still brewing. I haven't forgotten about you. But it seems like we're we're healing the forgetfulness. Yeah, no, up front. I, I feel like a lot of this has come back to me. I guess the only other thing I'll say strategy wise is whether to get more expensive chips or cheaper ones. And I feel like in the earlier rounds you're sometimes faced with the question of quantity versus quality where it's like you could buy one chip that's a better chip or you could get two mid-level chips and like i think the trade-off you're often wrestling with there is you know you're gonna have a higher overall payoff with that better chip if on the off chance that you pull it but if you have more total chips in your bag you're gonna do more to dilute the chances that you're pulling yeah, one I of mean, the white ones. Straight up, transparency-wise, if I ever have the choice, I would rather buy two chips than one. Like, yeah, no even doubt. if the one would be amazing, I want two. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is the thing you like most about this game? Ooh, I think the combination of the press-your-luck element and the sheer variety of replayability from all the different combinations of different ingredients that you can put in the pot because you're right every game is different and like yeah, that and like you can choose between like you're choosing only one yellow ingredient but you have six to choose from at the beginning of the game right so when you like factor that in for every ingredient that's not just six different options that's like yeah. So many different options. Yeah, this this takes you back to the days of high school math during combinations and permutations, right? I always got those wrong. That's why I <laughs> stopped saying what I was saying before I got too into it. Yeah, no, I hear it. So I, what I really like about the game is the combination of those two things, not only because it makes the gameplay fun, and I think that unpredictability accentuates the fun of the press-your-luck element, but the other thing I like about it is that it i think it suits the theme of the game really well because like you're playing as quack doctors like you're going to be cutting corners you're going to be just kind of like i don't think you're using using measuring cups in this kind no. of an enterprise yeah, you're just pulling random things yeah. exactly so you're pulling random things and seeing what it does to your cauldron yep how about you what did you like about this game all right so I thought long and hard about this, and I decided for my best and worst, I've boiled it down, both of them, to one word. So the first one, my best, the word is comedy. Mm-hmm. This game is funny. It is funny. It's funny. Just like looking at people explode or yourself explode, it's funny because you just feel ridiculous, and the theme adds to it. Yeah. And then also like just the game does not take itself seriously at all just the artwork like the ingredients are i mean we already talked about the local weed but there's like a dead moth a bird skull a mandrake like a ghost worm the witches look goofy the the people with the maladies like i mentioned that some of these like like the witch's hump the witch has a hump on her back that has a smiley face on it yeah. why like, you know, like the nervousness person looks terrified because a bird is singing. The guy who's suffering from chicken eyes looks like a chicken. You know, it's just goofy. It's absolutely goofy. And I think it yeah. really works. Yeah. No, it, it is a fun game. And I think it's, that's, you're right. Because it's, there is kind of like a slap, 
stick or maybe punch drunk element to the game. Yeah, even like yeah. a little bit of irony in just the way the game presents itself. But, you know, for every good word, that's a bad word. Yeah. Not that I'm going to say a bad word on this podcast. I think we're going to stay clear of that. But <laughs> what what is it that you don't like about this game? Well, I'm trying to think of a way to work in some clever phrase about the pot calling the, calling the kettle black, but there you I go. think that's the phrase. I guess that's the phrase, isn't it? So I like the game for what it does and on its, the terms that of what kind of game it is, I think it succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I had to mention like a, demerit i don't think it would necessarily be about the structure of the game itself as much as it would be just a comment on who this game is suited for and who it's not suited for and like if you're the kind of player who's really into like turn maximization euro games and really into like like engine building engine building where it's like you're like pricing things out and like calculating turn efficiency three to four moves ahead if not more like scythe (laughs) like scythe you know this game very well may frustrate you yeah because of how much randomness there is in it because your plans literally blow up in your face literally yeah but so i think that's what i would say um but i think the game is you know a riot and really succeeds on its merits How, how about you what would you say so, again, I've boiled it down to one word, but I'll explain it. Boil it down. I'm not going to let that pun pass unno- unnoticed twice. <laughs> Boil it, mash it, put it in a stew. <laughs> um, so my one word, production. Production? Yes. Can you explain? This means several things. The name of this game I don't like. I know that it's a real town and all that and the alliteration and I know that Potion Explosion was taken by another game. Mm. But like you could have chosen a a game like a name that better represents the game itself. Mm. The box, the artwork is hideous in this game. <laughs> the expansions are not as bad, especially the box art. The box art for the expansions is so much better than the base game. Okay. And even like the witches and the ailments, those are okay. But like the box itself and like the basic scoring board, it's a little bit too many lines going on. I don't I don't like it. And I think it makes things look more complicated as well. It's a little busy. And like considering this game only it came out in 2018, like it looks like it came out in 2003. You know? Like yeah, considering you know, a game like Everdell, which we talked about last week, came out in 2019. The chasm in the cro- quality of design between these two games is huge. And, and to be clear, you're talking about the design of the visual elements, yes. not the design of games. No, 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 the artwork. Yeah. Um, and then, in terms of like the actual production quality, something that a lot of people who love this game will know is that the actual chips, the cardboard chips that you put in your bags, are really bad quality. In that, if you play this even a couple times, just from your fingers rubbing against them constantly, the ink will start to fade and erode. And the game itself knows this, because when you buy the expansions, they give you extra chips. And there is a whole industry on Board Game Geek and Etsy where people are selling 
plastic or wooden quacks of Quedlinburg ingredient tokens for as much as it would cost to buy the actual base game. Mm. And basically it puts you in this position where if you really like this game and you play it a lot, you are going to end up with like pieces that are all eventually going to be basically white and you don't know what they are. Then they're all going to explode your potion. Yeah. Or you're (laughs) going to have to like chip in basically as much money as this game is worth to get upgraded components. So one tip I will give for people that I did, you came up with a better solution. Well, I didn't come. I found it online, but I, I used it was that if you go online or wherever you go and find these things, 21 millimeter coin cases are the perfect size for this game. And you can buy a pack of 400 that will cost me about $10, which is way cheaper than trying to buy this game a second time or buy the upgraded components. But it's just a real shame that if you want this game to have any kind of staying power on your shelf, you almost have to do that. And I just wonder, like, can you imagine how nice this game would be if it looked nice and if the imagine the the wooden chips from cascadia in that bag in mat that are like screen printed and made of wood and color coded imagine those in this game it would be pretty great yeah and so i just that really frustrates me yeah that's fair yeah yeah i don't know how you feel about it i think for me the I see what you're saying with the with the production quality in terms of the co- components themselves, and I think I think I do agree with you in principle. I think for me, the 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 gameplay simple enough that like the visuals of the board aren't too much of a distraction for me. But I will say that I think the big one is that I agree with you on is the the artwork on the base game itself. And, I mean, I don't usually think of myself as someone who considers the aesthetics of a game first and foremost, but I think it does play a subconscious role. And, like, I'm not sure that this game necessarily would have been on my radar if not for the fortuitous circumstances in which you you picked up a copy. Well, by which I want a copy because it also wasn't really on my radar. Yeah. And And I know, I think for me, probably more than you, like the way a game looks is a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- and I know like being honest, whether that's fair or not to the game, that was something that was a wall for me that I luckily got over because I do enjoy this game. I just wish that considering how good it is and how successful it's been, that it could have been a little bit more elevated into looking as good as it deserves to look for what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, I, I would just mention a game like Cascadia that is similar price point, you know, similar level of complexity and accessibility, and it just looks so much nicer. Yeah. So um, the, I can't think that kind of brings us into, you know, comparing this to other games. Is Cascadia the one that comes to mind for you? I was actually going to go a different direction. Uh Um, I was going to mention a game that I actually used to own and don't own now, um, Ink and Gold. Okay. And it is kind of a classic in the push your luck world. Yeah. Um, It wasn't my favorite game. It's a little bit too simple. Like it is even a lot more simple than this one. It's 
an even cheaper price point, simpler game that has this push me- push your luck mechanics. If you don't feel like getting quacks or investing quite as much in this genre, but you want to try it out, maybe look at Ink and Gold, or because Ink and Gold itself is also quite a classic in this genre and has been around for a while, if you are someone who really enjoys Ink and Gold and are looking to kind of upgrade and have a more like interesting experience, this could be it. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good uh recommendation. Thanks for that, Ed. What about you? So I think for me there's a game that comes to mind and I guess I don't think there I think there are broad similarities between these two games. I wouldn't go so far as to say someone who enjoys one would enjoy the other. But I think what I would say is if you are a fan of this other game I have in mind, which is Dominion, deck building game, and you've been playing a lot of Dominion lately and you just want something that like has a few touch points of similarity, but like is just a little bit lighter and like lets you cut loose a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, like a game to, to like kick off or like, draw down a game night um i feel like this would be a good option to consider as far as the parallels between quacks and dominion i would say loosely there's like yeah it's i mean like it's bag building in this case it's deck building in dominion distant cousins they're distant cousins right because i think the two broad parallels i see are you know you're adding components to your bag or your deck and there's an element of uncertainty in luck in what you're drawing i will say in dominion i think you have much more control over your fate than you do in quacks but if you uh if you don't mind uh giving up your fate to the winds a little bit more um quacks can be a fun little diversion from your typical game night yeah um that reminds me just as a quick aside because i want to mention it because we talked about it in our top 10 episode yes i would like to let it be known that you taught me how to play dominion this weekend on the same night that we played quacks and i enjoyed dominion so we just played base game but i will be back maybe quedlinburg is part of the dominion yeah maybe it could be that would be an interesting uh cross universe uh mashup it would (laughs) so I think I think the potion is simmering now, so don't want to stay too long because I don't want it to explode, you know? And I don't yeah. want you to remain with your forgetfulness, but... Can't have that. I <laughs> want to wrap this up with asking you, where does this game sit for you on a scale of 1 to 10? I would give the Quacks of Quedlinburg 7.5 stars okay. out of 10. And the main reasons for that rating are as follows i enjoy the press your luck element i like the injection of uncertainty that it adds sometimes i felt as though the sheer multiplicity of options when you've got you know seven or eight different different ingredients kind of dilutes the degree that strategic choice comes into play in the game and 
You know, maybe there's an element of that being an unfair critique because... It's intentional. It's intentional, and the game is meant to be press your luck and not strategic. But I do wonder if maybe in a different alternate universe there would be a version of this game that pared down the different ingredients to maybe four or five and, like maybe made them a little bit more interactive with each other just to have a little bit of the best of both worlds where there's, yes, strategic, like, variability, but also you're able to, like, change your fate a little bit more. Because just, I've played games like this where I felt like strategically I did about the same thing, and sometimes I've come in near last place, and sometimes I've come out near near the top and yeah, it's, felt it's, like I haven't done anything different. It's pretty random. Yeah. I think like for me, if I had to choose, I feel like even the black chips and the purple chips could just be merged into one. They're yeah. not, yeah, they're yeah. not that special. Not that different from yeah. each other in, in some respects, right? Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah. And how about you? I'm going to come in an eight. Okay. So not too far off. Yeah. As I've said, I really enjoy this game. It's light, funny, it's very different from a lot of the games that I like to play or that I actively seek out. So it's been a really pleasant surprise to play it and delve more into it with the expansions. But just something about it when I look at it just irks me. <laughs> and I know it's it's that whole production quality, particularly the thing with the quality of the chips degrading is annoying. And it it's just like a lot of this is just it feels like some things about this game particularly the production just weren't thought out very well um like we already mentioned how things look some things being more difficult than they need to be in terms of understanding how they work um the expansions i really enjoy them but like they're so simple given how much they cost and the massive like box they come in that's not necessary like right now i have the base game and both expansions in the base game box i mean it's a little tight but it works and there's a new version of this right now that's out it's the mega box that is a big box like as wide as our everdell complete collection box not as thick but it has all the expansions and the base game in it and it's a much better value for money but i'm like I don't even know if I would, even though it's saving you money relative to if you bought each of these things separately as I did, why on earth do you need that box? Like, it just, it just kind of shows me that even as they continue to like, you know, republish and develop this game, there's still just some lack of attention to detail and focus in the development that is just kind of a shame. But you know what? I've been, I've been tough on that for a while. So I just want to be positive that overall, I really do like this game a lot. Um, it did not make it into my top 10, unlike the other two games we've reviewed so far. But I will say, in terms of the games that I've played, this is probably in the top five in terms of number of plays. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily fair because they're pretty quick, but it just goes to show that it keeps finding its way back, even if it's just for one game at the end of a night. Yeah. No, and I think I think you're right about that. There is there is like a an almost stealth quality to it where yeah because it's easy to teach and easy to play it easy to set out. up 
Like, there aren't a ton of games like that. And and I I think the other thing I building on that that I like about this game at the end of the day is there aren't a ton of bag building games out there. No, or just like strictly bag. There's some that are like hybrids that are more yeah. complex games. Where it's but like nothing one that's... element, but not the whole. Yeah, I the mean, whole deal. Right. Um, Clank has a bag building element to it a mm-hmm. little bit, even though, but it's really small. And it's just part of the game. And then Wonderland's War, and I mean, it's it's Alice in Wonderland themed. Um, but a lot of the reviews I've seen is that like it is a really fun next level bag building um, hmm. game. Yeah. Um, with obviously like asymmetric player powers and like an area control element as well. But oh, I'm like, oh, fine. even then, it's not filling the role that this game fills. So I think that for now, as far as I know, this game, both on my shelf and in the hobby in general, just is very much in a constellation of its own. Yeah, it it fills a niche that that only, uh, you know, a charlatan doctor from northern Germany could fill. Yeah. So with that, let's go and pour you a flask of your anti-forgetfulness potion. Sounds great. And we will be back on the next episode of yeah. the Global Gamers Podcast. Yeah, that's right. We'll we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining.